Hello, we're up to Exodus 17. All the congregation of the children of Israel travelled from the wilderness of Sin, starting according to Yahweh's commandment, and encamped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore, the people quarrelled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test Yahweh? The people were thirsty for water there, so the people murmured against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out of Egypt to kill us, our children and our livestock with thirst? Moses cried to Yahweh, saying, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Yahweh said to Moses, Walk on before the people and take the elders of Israel with you and take the rod in your hand with which you struck the Nile and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb. You shall strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people can drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called on the name, he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah because the children of Israel quarreled and because they tested Yahweh saying, is Yahweh among us or not? Then Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us and go and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with God's rod in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. When Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, the one on one side and the other on the other side. His hands were steady until sunset. Joshua defeated Amalek with his, and his people with the edge of the sword. Yahweh said to Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out, from the, mem out the memory of Amalek from under the sky. Moses built an altar and called its name Yahweh our banner. He said, Yah has sworn, Yahweh will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. The children of Israel grumble again, and we won't go into all that, we've talked about that before. And, um, but they get to this place called Rephidim, and there's no water, and Moses strikes the rock with his staff, and water comes out of the rock, and so now there's water. It must have been a good amount of water to feed, to water, you know, several million people. That's a good amount of water, a good spring. And um, what happens in the middle of the desert? I don't know if, you've, if you're familiar with the desert. I read a book years ago called Skeletons in the Sahara, and it was about a ship that crashed on the coast, the Saharan coast on West Africa, in the 1800s and it was the story of this man that everyone on the ship died in the desert but this one man survived and his ordeals were so terrible he had to do terrible things like dare i say it drinking his own urine and other things to survive eventually made it to an oasis and you can imagine desert in every direction and with one oasis you, you've got to be spot on with your navigation and so in in the desert an oasis is is an asset, it's gold. So what we've got here is Rephidim, the children of Israel come to Rephidim and there's now a spring. Like, I mean, this is a substantial spring, 
good enough to feed a big group of people, to water a big group of people. It's a genuine asset. And the next thing that happens is Amalek wants to fight them. And you might say to yourself, well, why is Amalek wanting to fight? It's for the water. <laughs> a good amount of water like that in the desert, is there's going to be a fight. These are tribal people, they fight. And um, so, um, and the Israelites hadn't fought before. This is their first battle, and it, it's a defensive battle. They're attacked. And so um, the Amalekites, these, you might remember if if you've been with me from the beginning, when we went through the book of Exod, uh, the book of Genesis, and we were going through the descendants of Esau, Amalek was the grandson of Esau. So these these are the descendants of Esau through one of his grandsons, Amalek. And these are the Amalekites, and they, the Israelites and the Amalekites, were always enemies. From this point on, they, they crop up through the Bible story uh, in various places, and there's, they're not friendly at all ever. And um, so there's this battle. And Moses is on the hill. If his hands are up, they're winning. And I guess he must have had his rod with him, but it doesn't say that. When his hands are down, they're losing. You can only hold your hands up for so long. You should put your hands up right now, unless you're driving a car. Um, I sometimes listen. I don't watch YouTube while I drive, but sometimes we'll listen, put it on and put my phone down and I'll listen. If you're, if you're listening to me while you drive, don't do this. But if you're not, just put your hands up and hold them up for the rest of this video and see how you feel for the next few minutes. <laughs> this is not fun, I've tried it. You can't do it for very long and your arms just get really tired. You will know if you've been in church doing praise and worship and you lift up your hands to praise the Lord, yet by the end of the song, you wanna put your hands down, it gets hard to do. So, you know, obviously Moses wants his hands up because it's helping them win, but he needs help. And I think this is also a kind of a, a spiritual lesson for us that was enacted, you know, because things used to happen in real or in physical, but they demonstrate something that's more real. We tend to think that, that the things that physically happen were the real things, and they're symbols to us of a spiritual thing which is less real. But the spiritual thing is more real, it's just not tangible. And that's how it is with God. You've got, to, you've got to know that because God himself is not tangible. He's not a physical being, but he is the ultimate reality. So ultimate reality is not physical. The greater realities are non-physical realities. And so what we've got here is a physical reality demonstrating via symbolism something to us which is even more real. So when a leader of a church praise, let's say a leader of a church raises their hands, which is a symbol of prayer, and they're praying for their people, their people are winning the battle. But when a leader of a church or a leader of a ministry puts down their hands and they stop praying, they start losing the battle. This is the spiritual battle for the lives of souls and for the blessing upon God's people. And the truth is, it's actually hard for a leader to keep that up for long. If you're still got your hands raised in the air while I'm talking to you, you'll know it's hard to do something like that for long, and it's hard for a spiritual leader to keep his people in prayer extensively. It, there's many, many reasons why it's hard to do. And so what we've got in the story is how Aaron and her help him by propping up his arms, and that's what leaders need. They need people in their churches who will help them, pray for them, and um, ask that the Lord would bless their wives and their families and, and take 
concerns away from, like if a, if a, a leader is only concerned about his, if he's got great concerns because his own needs are so great, he's less able to focus on the needs of God's people. So God's people should pray for him that all of his needs will be met and um, his family will do well and his children won't struggle and all of these things because then he is able to keep his hands up. So these are some of the ways if, that you can help your spiritual leaders. And certainly I would appreciate your prayers for my wife and my children and myself. And I know my father and my mother would appreciate your prayers, as would the other ministers in the church. And this, I think, is just a general principle, is that we need to uphold those who are over us in the Lord. And when we do that, we'll win the battle. And the story finishes here because in the end of this chapter with Moses being told by the Lord to write down what happened and make sure that Joshua hears about it. Now, why would that even be important? Well, it's important because Joshua was the one down in the battle fighting. So he's not the whole time not aware of what's going on. You know, he doesn't know that the real battle was a battle of prayer. Well, you know, it symbolically was a battle of prayer. It was a battle of trying to keep Moses' arms up. That was where the battle was won. And sometimes we've got people who are in the trenches, they're doing things in the church, you know, they're working hard, and they can let the glory go to their head, thinking that all these accomplishments are all because of them, but not aware that they wouldn't achieve anything. They would actually fail if it wasn't for prayer. If it wasn't for the prayer that goes into the daily life of a church or of a family or, or ministry, if it wasn't for the prayer, it would be a failure. But if they weren't aware of that, they could think that they had achieved something on their own. So you need both. You need the people in the trenches working, but you can't achieve it without the prayer. So in other words, we need grace. So I, I think the lesson for us today is to be people of prayer, but also to be people who uphold our leaders so that they can be people of prayer for us. We're all in it together and we all work together because we need each other. So Lord, we thank you that the children of Israel defeated the Amalekites and that's a symbol to us that we will defeat our enemies in Christ. We will overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And so I ask right now you'd strengthen us, help us to keep our hands up. Help us to keep our hands up for our leaders. Help our leaders to keep their hands up. I ask your grace to be upon us that we would be a prayerful people. In the name of Jesus, amen.